welcome to Christian Life Church Podcast. Please subscribe to our channel. So last week we started uh, looking at Psalm 84 and it was under a title called Dwell. Everyone say Dwell. 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 We've got it. Um, And it was all about talking about how God is raising up worshippers again. A group of people who don't wait to be ushered into his presence, but race there themselves. A people who love Jesus so much that as soon as they wake up, they're desperate to get in that quiet place with the Lord. A group of people who love their lives less and love the presence more. They recognize that nothing in this world can satisfy. And they know that when they're in the presence of God, there is nowhere else they'd rather be. And that is the group of people that the Lord is raising up today. And so we're going to carry on um, looking at that together. And we're going to look at what it means to be a worshipper and what it means to dwell in the presence of God. And so we're going to read the psalm together again. Uh, So if you've got your Bibles, Psalm 84. Okay, it says... How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. The Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Amen. Um, Let me start by just spending some time praying before we go into it. Um, And I just want to encourage you in this moment um, to lay down any distraction that you might have and to posture your heart right now to receive something from Jesus. Jesus, we say thank you for your presence this morning. Thank you that you're here with your people because it's promised in the Bible, God, that where two or three gather, there you will be also. So you're here, Jesus. And I pray that every word would just be something that you want to say, Jesus. Speak to our hearts and make yourself known amongst us, Jesus. We ask for an outpouring of your presence here. Amen. 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 So my first point is that worshippers are focused not on this world, but on Jesus who comes from a different world. I'll say that again for emphasis. Worshippers are focused not on this world, but on Jesus who comes from a different world. Verse 5 says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, 
whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Now, pilgrimage is defined as a journey to a sacred place, okay? Pilgrims know the destination. They know where they're going to end up. They know that the journey is valuable, but they know their destination. I praise Jesus today that if you believe in Jesus, if you've declared him the Lord of your life, if you love him, heaven is your destination. Amen. Heaven is real and it is where you will end up. Death is not the end. It is a doorway into the next world and the next world is heaven. And so we always have a reason to give thanks. We always have a reason to rejoice because heaven is your destination. And you know, when you experience the presence of God, when you're walking with Jesus, talking with Jesus, that is a glimpse into heaven. When you're enjoying communion with Jesus, that is a glimpse into what heaven will be like. In fact, um, the other day on Wednesday, I went to Bourneville Park. It's nice there, isn't it? Oh, it's lovely. Before I go into it, you need to understand, <laughs> I'm from a town called Dewsbury. Dewsbury is in West Yorkshire, and it's not a very nice place. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you, Dewsbury is rough. It's not a holiday destination. You have to feel a real call from the Lord to go to Dewsbury, and a real call to stay as well. <laughs> no, it's it, I love it because it's my home, but bless everyone in Dewsbury because they're on a rough ride. Um, <laughs> no, I'm joking. So when I came to Birmingham and discovered Bourneville, you can imagine that I thought I was in paradise, because it's nice, isn't it? Yeah. And on Wednesday, I was walking around Bourneville. I had a coffee in my hand, very civilized. The sun was shining through the trees. Jesus was with me. <laughs> and I turned and I said to Jesus, is heaven like this? <laughs> and I felt him laugh and be like, just you wait, Becca, like you've got no idea. And but those moments where you're with Jesus, you're talking with him, you sat with him, you're just with him, that is heaven on earth. You see, everyone's got their theories about what heaven will be like. We all have it, don't we? We all have a little idea of what we think heaven will be like. But the good thing and the truth about heaven, and the most exciting thing for me, is that heaven, in essence, is unhindered, sweet communion with Jesus. That's what heaven is. <laughs> Nothing getting in the way, no troubles or heartaches, just you and Jesus. <laughs> it's good, isn't it? And heaven is your destination. And it's, it's um, such a privilege, isn't it, that we don't have to wait to get to heaven to experience moments like that. But whilst we're here on earth, Jesus pours out his spirit and gives us glimpses into the next world. And what that means is that whatever season you find yourself in, he reminds you of the one that is to come. The psalmist says, 
Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. And then they write, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. Um, Baca means to weep. It means weep. So it reads, the valley of weeping. As they pass through the valley of weeping. And that is a season of your life that you really don't want to be in. We all have them. Life is full of highs and lows. Sometimes we wish it was all mountaintop experiences, but the reality is, is that so often you find yourself in a valley. That's right, isn't it? So often, you know, you thought life was going to be simple and easy, but truthfully, it feels a little bit more difficult than you first anticipated. And so often we find ourselves in a valley of weeping. But the good news is this. Hidden in this scripture, in this one verse, we find this promise. You see, it says, as they pass through the valley of weeping. As they pass through. And the promise is this. Is that your valley of weeping is not where you dwell. It is not your final destination it is not where you will end up. You are simply passing through. You are simply passing through. And the promise of God's presence means that not only do you pass through, but you make your valley a place of springs. It says, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. You see, according to research, i.e. Google, <laughs> um, the best things grow in the valley. It's cool, that, isn't it? It's something to do with the climate and um, there's something in the soil, a richness in the soil, which means the best things grow in the valley. The best things grow in the valley. And so whether you find yourself in a valley of weeping or not, the truth is, is that God's going to do something in your valley. Amen. He's going to do something in your valley. If only you position your heart to see what God is doing. And just pause there a second. At the start of Psalm 84, like before verse 1, it says, For the director of music, according to Gittith of the sons of Korah, a psalm. Okay, Gittith is a harp. This is really interesting, so stay with me because it's really exciting. Gittith is a harp, and it came from the city of... Ooh, that sounded like a harp, didn't it? <laughs> I love that. More, Lord. <laughs> so it was a harp that came from the city of Gath. Okay? David played it from the city of Gath. Now... Sometimes Gath was a place of refuge for David, but typically it was known as enemy territory. And actually, Gath means wine press. So the place of pressure and crushing and stress. And from the city of Gath, from that place of the wine press, came the harp. And this harp is the very thing that the psalmist is using to declare of the goodness of the presence of God. And my point is this. 
Sometimes the best things grow in the valleys. And sometimes in your place of pressure and stress and in your very own wine press, it is in that place that you are right where you're supposed to be. Because it is there that you often encounter the most profound intimacy with the presence of God. It is often in the valleys, if we're being honest. I found that to be very true for my life. That in the valleys, I've experienced Almighty God. I remember, so before I was here, I was in Nottingham, this little town near Nottingham. It was like a rough two years, to be fair. (laughs) Um, You know one of those times where, like, everything's going wrong all at the same time? Have you ever experienced that? Oh, yeah. It was one of those, you know. And, um... I remember this one day, I got into my flat, I was living on my own, and I just cried, I was just overwhelmed, crying's not an unusual thing for me, it happens quite a lot, Um, but I just, I remember kneeling in my front room and praying to the Lord, and just crying and crying and crying, and it wasn't long before I knew that the presence of God had flooded my front room, and I knew I wasn't on my own. Like, there was such a weight of his presence, you know, and it just captivated my heart, and I knew I wasn't alone. And I look back at that moment, and I'm blown away by this, this truth, that Jesus didn't try to fix my problems. He didn't try to give me an answer. He didn't try to solve it for me. He just sat with me. Jesus simply sat with me. And as he was with me, I found strength to keep going. And in your valley of weeping, if you dwell in the presence of God, you will find strength to make it through. Because you are simply passing through. But don't miss the opportunity to encounter something of the presence of God. Because when you come to the end of yourself, which is often what happens in the valley, you've got nothing left to give, you come to the end of yourself, often it is at that point that you are well positioned to experience the presence of God. When you come to the end of yourself, you've got nothing left to give, you've run out of ideas of how to solve your problems, and when you get to that point, God comes and meets you in such a profound way. In your valley of weeping, he wants to come and meet you there. Praise God. It says that um, in verse 7, they go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. And it was the knowledge that one day they will be before God that strengthened them to get through their valleys. And if you find yourself in a valley of weeping today, my prayer for you is that you might encounter the presence of God so profoundly that not only do you feel like you just stumble through, but you make it through. My prayer for you is that you might have a glimpse of heaven that might carry you through. Because your heart is not set on this world. It is on Jesus who comes from a different world. (laughs) Good stuff. Okay, my second point 
is that worshippers are carriers of holy fear. They're carriers of holy fear. It says in verse 10, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. So this psalm was written by a group of people called the Sons of Korah. And I want to tell you about the Korites, okay? So the Korites, we read about them in the Old Testament. They were a group of people who led a rebellion against Moses. <laughs> I know, crazy. So they, they brought together 250 men and they led a rebellion against Moses and Aaron. You see, the Korites had a really good job. They were the ones in charge of moving sacred objects around the temple. Not everyone had that gig, you know. Not everyone had that privilege. But these were the ones that were chosen to be in the presence of God every day to move around sacred objects around the temple. They had a good deal. But that wasn't enough for them. And they actually believed that they should be priests. Yeah. And so they went to Moses and Aaron and they stated their claim that they should be priests. I would sum this group of people up with one word. Proud. <laughs> proud. I think they were proud, yeah. They thought so highly of themselves, you know, and that it wasn't enough that they were just like in the presence of God every day. They wanted something more. They were a proud group of people. And what happened was that what we read in Numbers was that God sent a holy fire to consume 250 men. They died, basically. And you see, they thought so highly of themselves, and that was their biggest downfall. Pride can sometimes be the leader of our life. Have you noticed that? It can sometimes be the leader of our life. We think we deserve more. We think of ourselves in such high regard, often above other people. And sometimes, if we're not careful, even above God. And you see, it all went wrong for the Korites the moment they took their eyes off the presence of God and instead started looking at themselves. They took their eyes off the prize and started looking at themselves. And that's when it all went wrong. If we spend the rest of our life thinking about ourselves, we may miss the invitation to profound encounter and intimacy with the Father. You see, I've noticed about the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that he doesn't force us into his presence. No, he's gentle, you see. He doesn't force you into his presence. He simply extends an invitation and waits for you to come. But if we're so occupied by our own needs and our own wants to get in the, the things that we think we deserve to get, then sometimes we may miss the invitation from the presence of God who says, come here, I've got everything you need. When we allow pr pride to lead, we lose the art of surrender and pick up control. You see, when pride is our leader, control is never too far behind. Who likes to take control of their life? <laughs> I definitely do. 
I like I can't lie. Definitely, hundred percent. Love to be in control. <laughs> I've got like a whole plan for my life, you know, a five-year plan. I used to. I don't anymore. But I definitely love to control my life. And often I think God needs my help. And they're so silly, isn't it? We all do it. But sometimes I think, God, I see what's happening here. You're clearly waiting for me to help you, aren't you? Clearly that's what's happening. Oh, you know, God, have you thought about doing it like this? Just wonder, God, if you thought about doing it, this might be a good way, God. Did you think of that? <laughs> Often I think God needs my help and I have to remind myself that God is far bigger and greater than I am or ever could be. <laughs> I have to remind myself that God holds all things together in the palm of his hands. He doesn't need my help. In fact, he'll do better without it, to be completely honest. <laughs> I'm just getting in the way. But God holds all things together in the palm of his hands. He doesn't need you to take control of your life because he's already got it. He's already got it. He's got it worked out. He knows the beginning to the end. He knows everything in between. God knows exactly what you need and he's ready to pour out his blessing on your life. God holds all things together. And so often we like to take control and I feel like God's saying, let it go. In the words of Frozen, I won't sing it. <laughs> but often God's just saying, just let it go. Just trust me, I've got it. I've got it. You see, when we take control of our life, we actually lose the art of surrender. <laughs> um, the sons of Korah, whilst the Korites had pride and a little bit of arrogance, the sons of Korah were so different. They had a holy awe and a reverence to the person of God. They, they knew that the presence of God was something to pursue and they were willing to lay everything else down to pursue his presence. The sons of Korah carried with them a holy fear towards the presence of God, so much so that they can say that I would rather uh, be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked because they knew what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but to lose their soul. They knew that they would rather be on the outskirts of the house of God, just being near his presence rather than being in the heart of the wicked. They didn't desire promotion or position. They weren't seeking approval of man. They weren't trying to control their own life. They let all of that go because they were focused on the presence of God because they knew everything they needed was in the presence of God. They carried a holy fear because they were driven by love and affection for the presence of God. <laughs> that went down well. <laughs> I asked him, the Lord to show me what it means to have a holy fear. I needed to understand it a bit better, you know. So I asked God to show me what does it mean to have holy fear. And the next day I woke up and um, I was woken up by the story of the woman with the expensive perfume. You know that story in Mark 14. It's one of my favorite Bible stories. Um, but it's this woman who loved Jesus so much that she poured out um, her most prized possession and she anointed Jesus. She had such a love 
for Jesus, that she gave up everything for him. And um, what I love about it is that she didn't do that privately, she did it publicly. And as she poured out her offering to the Lord, people stood by and said, what a waste, what a fool, why would you do that? But she wasn't bothered about that. She was focused on this opportunity to worship Jesus. It was extravagant worship and it cost her everything. It cost her her financial security. It cost her her reputation. But she wasn't worried about any of that. She gave all of that up for Jesus. Her worship was costly. But she wasn't thinking about herself or what she could gain. She was driven by her love for Jesus. Do we have costly worship to Jesus today? Could we honestly say that we love Jesus so much that we'd be willing to let go of everything and everyone to simply worship at his feet? I found that... um, Jesus actually really wants your surrender. I found that he wants your surrender and your trust. Because our most prized possession is our life, right? But when we're willing to let that go, when we're willing to let turn away from pride and let go of control, actually we're willing to surrender to Jesus. And he loves it when we surrender. I have to daily lay things at the altar. Anyone else? Every day, every morning, I have to lay things down at the feet of Jesus. Sometimes I have to do it more than once a day. (laughs) Because sometimes I lay it at his feet, and then five minutes later, I'll pick it up again. And I'll go, I'll just take control of that for a second, Lord. (laughs) So sometimes I have to do it more than once a day. I have to constantly live in this life of surrender. And to do that, I have to let things go and give them over to Jesus. And actually, when we choose to do that, when we choose to live a life of surrender, when we choose to live a life that lets go of control, then actually we learn what it means to have holy fear. Because a holy fear is driven purely from love and affection for Jesus. And he's causing that to stir in us again. A holy fear towards his presence, an awe and a reverence to the person of Jesus. A fear that says that I would rather give up my whole life to be in the presence of God than dwell here in the riches of society. I would rather give all of that up to be at the feet of Jesus. He's calling that worship out again because it's been hidden away and he's calling it back to life. That's what Jesus is doing. So it's time to stop trying to control our life and leave it instead of the one who holds your life. And it's time to give up everything to worship Jesus. My third point is that worshippers are called to a life of abundance. Okay, verse 11. It says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. 
Um, the reason why I decided to speak on Psalm 84 was because of this one verse here. Because four weeks ago, four weeks ago, I found myself in a very unusual situation, which I didn't anticipate I'd be in. And my best friend said to me, Becca, I feel like this is in scripture, but um, I just feel like God is saying that he withholds no good thing from those whose walk is blameless. And I was like, ooh, that's nice. And then I turned to the psalm and saw that it is the most beautiful thing that I've ever read, really. And it's all about the presence of God and pursuing him wholeheartedly. And um, the last four weeks, as God's called me into his presence, as he's made everything else feel unnecessary and, and inferior, really, as he's called me into his presence, I can confidently say it's been a fantastic four weeks. <laughs> and it's not that everything's gone according to plan. That's what you need to know. It's not that I've seen God's promise come to light yet. You know, it's not that he's answered certain prayers yet. yet. But it's been the most amazing four weeks because I can honestly say that when you're sat with Jesus, there's nowhere else you need to be. When you're in the presence of Jesus, there is nowhere else you need to be. And I've discovered that the best thing in life is not anything that's earthly. It's not something we can hold on to. The best thing in life is the presence of Almighty God. It is rich and it is sweet and it satisfies every desire, every longing in your heart. And when you're in the presence of God, he pours out his glory on his people. That's what happens. And so when the psalmist writes, no good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. The best thing is the presence of God and he never withholds that from his people. Um, it says in John 10, 10, Jesus says, I came that you might have life and life in all its fullness. Sometimes we don't live in that reality, you noticed. I'll give you a little example. <laughs> On Friday, I was having a really good day. And then you know when things start to go wrong? No. <laughs> Thank you, Jodie. Things started to go wrong. I was getting a little bit hungry, so I had about 20 minutes till I was a different person. Um, and I was getting really frustrated. Everything was just not going according to my plan. And so I was in the car, and I was going to God. God, this just happened. Then this happened, God. Then this happened. And I felt him say to me, leave it now. And I said, but I've not finished. <laughs> and he was like, leave it now. And I felt really convicted. And I realized that God had called me to a life of abundance. But I was so focused on what was going wrong that I'd stopped seeing what was going right. And so I started to give thanks to God for all the things that he blessed me with. And I noticed my attitude started to change. And when you position your heart to receive from God and to give thanks, actually he willingly pours out his blessing on his children. We need to sometimes stop focusing on what is going wrong and in start giving thanks for what is going right. And giving thanks for the simple truth that whatever season you find yourself in, Jesus is there. And if you never have anything to give thanks for, you always have that. 
Um, Jesus came that you might have life and life in all its fullness. David writes in Psalm 23, Surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a beautiful piece of scripture, that surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. David knew that in every season, it was God's goodness that was pursuing him, that it was his mercy that was never leaving him. And because of that, he knew that he would always be dwelling in the house of the Lord. And whatever season you find yourself in, hear me when I say that his goodness is consistently pursuing you, chasing you down. His goodness and his mercy will never stop pursuing you. And the reason why we can worship Jesus, the reason why we can pour out our lavish affection on him, the reason why we can sacrifice and surrender, the reason why we can let go of control, the reason why we can do all of that is because we know that God is a good God. He is faithful. He is kind. He is consistent. He is persistent in his love for you. That is who your God is. And because we know that, we can worship him wholeheartedly. Because we know that, because we know his goodness and his love is steadfast, because of that, we can consistently keep pursuing the presence of God and know that we will never be disappointed. His presence holds everything that you need. And so, um, to conclude, worshippers... Our focus, not on this world, but on the one that is to come. Praise God for heaven. <laughs> Worshippers are carriers of holy fear. Oh, they love Jesus so much, nothing else matters. And worshippers are called to a life of abundance. So just look at what God's already done in your life. And then you're best positioned to receive more of his blessing. That was, um, that was what I felt the Lord was saying to me through this Psalm 84. And if I could say one thing just to sum up the last two weeks, I would honestly say, stay close to Jesus. It all boils down to this one simple truth, that when you're with Jesus, you have everything that you need. Apart from him, you might struggle. But with him... You have everything. Everything. And if you remember anything, remember, stay close to Jesus. Dwell in his presence and you won't go far wrong. Why don't we just take some time to pray together um, and to pursue Jesus together. Um, I just want to encourage you. Maybe there's one thing that stood out or a few things or I don't know what it is that's going on in your heart and in your mind. But just right now, why don't you just lay it all out to Jesus? Just begin to seek Jesus for yourself. Um, yeah.
want to say thank you for your presence, Jesus. Thank you that you're here amongst your people. That you long to pour out blessing on our life, Jesus. Thank you that you are calling us to lay everything down at your feet and to trust you again. Just to trust you again. And so that's what we do right now, Jesus. We surrender everything and we trust you again. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for your presence, Jesus.
Yes, Father, we can place our life in your hands because you are a good God. You are the way maker, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence. Thank you, Jesus, for the privilege that it is to worship you. And right now, Jesus, we lay everything at your feet. And we simply trust the one who holds it all together. We trust the one who holds our life in the palm of your hand, Jesus. And I pray that as we go, that we would go in your authority, we would go with your blessing, and we would go as carriers of your presence, Jesus. So be with us, we ask in Jesus' name. 
Amen, amen. Have a good week and we'll see you all on Sunday.